0: We're starting a new series today. We've been in a series on prayer for the last long while called People of Prayer because we've dedicated all of 2023 to what again? Learning to pray. Learning to pray. In that learning to live with God for the world, we realized we really don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray because we don't feel like praying ever. And we don't know how to pray in the way of making it effective and powerful like the scriptures say. And so we've been learning to pray, we did a long series on that, and now we're pivoting a little bit into another element of what it means to learn to pray and learn to be living with God. Um, We are going to be spending several weeks uh, looking at what the Scriptures have to say about Holy Spirit, okay? Today's the first week that we're going to be unpacking Holy Spirit. Would you open up in your Bibles, it's also in your Sunday liturgy, to John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. You can all stand with me as we open up God's Word in reverence for God and inviting His Spirit to speak. Would you all read this with me? Um, We're going to be reading in the CSB. It's in your handouts. It's printed out there if you have a paper Bible. In the CSB, it will be there too. All right, John 16, verse 7. Ready, begin. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the will not come to you. If I go, I'll send him to you. Pray with me. <clears throat> Lord, we have already vocalized Several times in our gathering this morning, our felt need for your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we believe that you are alive, and we know there are so many ways that we doubt. Would you help us in our unbelief that these words are true? Holy Spirit, For every image-bearer of God in this room, for every person who knows you, Jesus, and is striving with all their might in their weaknesses and sin to follow you, please help us. For everyone who feels like they are on their last leg giving you the last chance to come through for them, please help. For everyone who is exploring And filled with doubt about whether you are who you say you are, Jesus, I pray your spirit would come and manifest your reality to them powerfully this morning. Knit us together, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, making the the presence of Jesus tangible and the power of Jesus real among us today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can take your seats. So, we're in this verse because as I was prayerfully considering a passage of Scripture that would speak to the urgent necessity of Holy Spirit in our lives, in our day, this was the one that just resonated like crazy to me. This one to me, Is one of the most shocking statements that Jesus ever made. He's with his 12 disciples during the second to last day of his earthly life, and John 13 through 17, these chapters are the longest section we have of Jesus' teaching continually. It hits on all the core elements of what it means to follow Jesus in the way of his kingdom and what he was doing on earth. But then Jesus says this you know, you can imagine the moment. I know for you all, disciples, it's been life changing to have me around. All your hopes in God are being fulfilled right before your eyes and the kingdom of God that's been promised by the prophets and declared in the scriptures is being displayed through the healing of bodies, the casting out of evil spirits that have been afflicting people, reconciling outcasts into community, confronting religious, political, and economic structures of oppression, and freeing you individually from your own flesh and sin within you. But even with all of that, it's better for you that I leave. I mean, just imagine. You read through the Gospels, imagining yourself there. And then Jesus says this. Many of us, if you are at all like me, believe do not believe this in our normal mode of everyday life. If you're like me, you feel so distractible. Sometimes you feel like you can't or won't pay attention to God. You sometimes feel like speaking about Jesus to others is an exercise in futility. You're terrified about the perception that they'll have about you. You feel so often like God is just hiding and you can't find Him. You can feel so powerless to live into the promises that God makes in Scripture to those who are His people. If we're honest, there are so many moments in our lives where it feels like if Jesus were just here to mentor us a little bit, it would be so easy to follow Him. So easy to see God working. So easy to speak about Him to other people. We'd be so willing to walk in the unseen realm of the Spirit, trusting God to show up. But Jesus isn't here anymore. But he is. That's what Jesus is saying. I coach a lot of my kids' sports teams. Hard pivot. I'm coaching too many of them this fall, and I can't exactly articulate why I'm coaching five different sports teams, but somehow it happened. And I love coaching. I love helping little humans figure out how to organize themselves together to accomplish a goal against another set of humans that are staunchly against them to achieve that goal. Um, and I love coaching them, but as a coach, my roles are many, right? I have, to, I have to help them understand the fundamentals of how to do the sport. I have to help them be unified together to uh, maximize who they can be together. I have to train them up and give them experiences like the ones that they'll have in real gameplay. So, like, my favorite moment in any practice is when I play with them because I dominate. <laughs> and there is nothing for a wannabe professional athlete that is better than playing with small human beings that just make you feel like an antelope on the field. It's amazing. Yeah, those are my kids. Now imagine, I'm coaching them, I'm there with them. In the games, I can help them make adjustments and I can tell them what they're doing wrong or strategize how to take advantage of the other side. Imagine if I said, all right, kids, 8, 9, 10-year-olds, you're on your own. Touch everything I know, I'm going to be over here now. Like, it wouldn't go well. Actually, last week, I wasn't there and another friend of mine tried to step in and it didn't go well. I was there this week and it didn't go well, so it's not exactly a perfect metaphor. But what if by my going, I could download into them my knowledge, the game plan that they could all be united in, my love for the sport so that they would be passionately pursuing getting better, even downloading like my abilities to them. It would be better for me to go away so that they could all embody even more what I can only communicate to them. Okay, it's, It breaks apart in so many ways. But that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, I have been with you for a time because it was necessary, but now it is better for you that I go away because of what will happen for you by my going. Because Jesus left, Holy Spirit came. Now that's not to say that Holy Spirit was not at work throughout the story of Israel and the Scriptures. But Holy Spirit came in a different way. Where there was previously a drip, there now is a flood. Where previously the Spirit would rest upon God's people, now Holy Spirit fills God's people indwells God's people. Heaven came down to us to lift us up into the heart of heaven with God. That's what Jesus is saying when he says it's better for you that I go. The question to us is, are we here living into the fullness of what Jesus has swept us up into? Would we really be able to say in agreement with Jesus, man, it'd be great to have you standing in front of me face to face, but it is better that I have you dwelling in me by Holy Spirit. And that wrestling I was describing earlier conveys how often we doubt this word from Jesus. How often we feel like infants in walking in the power of Holy Spirit. Now maybe there's even a whole other category in the room of people who have been Christians for a long time, but you believe that Holy Spirit is more just to help us believe in Jesus and then everything else we get from the Scriptures. What we're going to see hopefully here today is that that's an anemic vision of what Jesus calls us to in the Scriptures. That everything in the Scriptures is there because it's livable. And if you haven't yet considered following Jesus, or you're wondering if this is a place for you, if Jesus is worth giving your life to in allegiance, this is what you're invited into. Life with God's people, indwelt by God's Spirit, as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. So, what we got to do first is look at the life of Jesus. What did Jesus live like, if that's what he's empowering us for? Okay, I'm going to say something that um, I think we overlook a lot. It's very basic as far as theology biblically goes, but it's kind of scandalous to us. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was a Spirit-filled human. I'm going to say that again. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, He's God, divine, eternally existing as the Son, incarnate as Jesus of Nazareth, was a spirit-filled human. He's God, but He's also human. That's what Peter says in Acts 10, 37 and 38. Peter, speaking to Gentiles, says, You know the events that took place throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John the baptizer preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil, because God was with him. Peter summed up the life of Jesus as him going about doing good, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and with power. One author Named Scott McKnight, theologian, writes this. Jesus was a human, was human, and because Jesus was a human, he needed to be empowered from day one with and by the Holy Spirit. If this is true, then it's true that you and I need the Holy Spirit even more so. Every major facet, this is still the quote, of the life of Jesus is a spirit event. So much so that we need to see that becoming more Christ-like, we become more spiritual. You can't see the the hyphen in there, but it's spiritual. Inspirited. The more Jesus-like we become, the more inspirited we become. Jesus was the Spirit-filled human among humans. Scott continues, was He different from us? Not in his need for and dependence on the Spirit, except that he was always wide open, and we are not. Now what this confronts in us is over-divinizing Jesus. We make make Jesus as the eternal Son of God into everything about our explanation for how he could know the thoughts of the people around around him before he spoke. How he could do works of healing. How he could cast demons out from people who were being oppressed. But what the scriptures say is that Jesus took on the form of a human becoming a servant and set aside his powers as the Son of God. He could have taken them up freely whenever he wanted. That's why on the cross he said, I could call a legion of angels. Might have not been on the cross. Maybe it was in Gethsemane. I'm forgetting. But he said, I could, I could call a legion of angels to be here if I wanted to. But he suffered and he died willingly. So Jesus was filled with Holy Spirit. Jesus intended for all of His followers to learn to live by Holy Spirit. Jesus Himself attributed His power to the Holy Spirit, if you're still not convinced. Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus reading a prophecy from Isaiah stands up in a synagogue and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. He also said in Matthew 12, 28, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, he's directly saying the way in which he is able to cast out evil spirits from those who are oppressed is by the power of the Spirit then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Friends, if you want to follow Jesus, it is better for you that Jesus is not embodied right in front of you. Because Holy Spirit is within you if you have brought yourself into allegiance and trusting faith in Jesus. So, the simple point this morning is that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the person, third person of the Trinity, is a person who is the fulfillment of all the promises of the Gospel. If Jesus did everything to bring about the Gospel, the Spirit fulfills all of those promises in you and me. If Jesus is Emmanuel, the name that the Scriptures give Him, communicating that He's God with us, Holy Spirit is God within us. So what does it look like to take that seriously? To humble ourselves beneath Scripture and church tradition and those who have gone before us and those among us who can testify to the power and reality of the Holy Spirit and to learn. Here are some of the promises that you and I have. In Jeremiah 31, the Scriptures say, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will each one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord for they will all know me from the least to the greatest. Holy Spirit invites you to encounter the living God not to just hear about him from others and from the scriptures and from great podcasts or wherever you might hear of him but to know him to feel him to participate with his work in the world so throughout this series we're going to be going about it maybe in a different way than you've heard holy spirit taught on because i think there's a problem that we have in our church in particular I think the problem is this, when we go out there into the world, we are immersed in a culture and a marketplace and institutions that try and form us to become people who are only satisfied by consuming things, by being entertained by things, and only believing things that we can see and observe. We have a series of if-then's. So we have data that tells us what's good. We have the scientific method that proves to us what's real. And then we come into the church, and we come in here, and we say, all right, i got to kind of like turn off the feelings because all I can trust is the Scriptures. And so out here, we're we're kind of like formed into people who believe we'll only be satisfied by consuming and that we're only okay when we're being entertained. And that we can only believe things that are provable through a scientific method. And then we come into the church and we turn off our desires and we turn off our emotions and we turn off our bodily sensations and we just try and use our intellect. And it needs to be reversed. We are embodied souls and the spirit indwells our bodies. So much of how Holy Spirit communicates to us and leads us is through our hearts, is through our bodies, and yes, is through our minds. Where we need to be highly questioning is when we're out in the world with all of its promises. So, what we're going to dedicate ourselves to over the next coming weeks is looking at how the Scriptures describe the Spirit of God and the metaphors that Scripture uses. Breath. Oil. Dove. Fire. Wind. Water. What do you notice about all of those things? They're real experiential things. Things. Holy Spirit, some theologians describe, is God brought into our experience. Okay? What we need is understanding of who Holy Spirit is, framed by the truth of Scripture. Here's one thing Spirit will never do, is lead us out of the authority of Scripture or in contradiction to what Scripture has to say, But then in our lived community together, in that frame, in that sandbox, the Spirit leads us experientially and oftentimes subjectively to lives of love and sacrifice to one another. And service for those outside of the community. And even supernaturally, in the ways that we cannot see, we cannot describe, but if we will participate with the inklings that Holy Spirit gives us, things that would blow our minds and that we all long for. If you're still doubting, I want to invite you during lunch. Come up. I have this two-volume set called Miracles, okay? There's a common myth that we saw a lot of things happen in the early church, in Acts, and in the Gospels. Holy Spirit was doing amazing, crazy things. That was for then. doesn't happen anymore. Uh, one scholar uh, was what was called a cessationist, and he, cessationist just means the beliefs that the, the, the Spirit of God ceased to do the miraculous now that we have the full Bible. And he went through church history, and wrote down, recorded all that he saw in, in church history. That was a testament to miracles, to the power of the Holy Spirit. Did a bunch of interviews with people from all around the world. Wrote it into a volume and said, "I started this way, and now I'm convinced I am a charismatic, which just means one who is one who believes in the power and presence of Holy Spirit." Uh, so come up. I was reading a little bit before today, uh, before prepping for teaching today. it just brought tears to my eyes, hearing the stories of healing, hearing about the freedom that Holy Spirit brings to people who are in bondage and addiction. We want to be, my longing for us as a people is that we would be people growing in competency, in learning to follow keep in step with, and be filled by Holy Spirit in our day-to-day life. Some of you are like, this is 101 for me. This is what I learned early on in my journey following Jesus. We need you. Help, please. Many of us don't have that background. Some of you are just going to be nodding like, yes, this is amazing. This is what I want to hear. This is what we need. So there's a diversity in this room of our backgrounds. A couple of things as we're pursuing this. The Spirit will never contradict the Scriptures. Second, the Spirit will never downplay the urgency of our need for Him. The Spirit will never downplay the urgency of our need for Him. If you're trying to follow Jesus without the power of Holy Spirit, that's not something the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Thirdly, the Spirit will never lead you away from the church community into isolation. This is the community, the inspirited community. The Apostle Paul says that the church together is a temple of the living God of the dwelling place of God's Spirit. This is the place to learn how to follow God's Spirit and be filled by Him. And we're going to learn together. So, a few things. If the Spirit is a person to be worshipped, to be trusted, to open ourselves to and to be led by, hopefully, we're thinking, how? What do I do? Here are a few things from Romans 8, one of the most robust chapters on the work of Holy Spirit in the life of every follower of Jesus. Here's the first thing. Allegiance. Allegiance to Jesus. He's not just Savior who gets you into heaven when you die. Who do you say that Jesus of Nazareth is? If He is the Son of the living God, the way, the truth, and the life, and the King of all then we need to humble ourselves to center our lives on Him and not on me. Not me. You. On the me that we're tempted to live by every day. Allegiance to Jesus is the starting point to make us usable by the Spirit of Jesus. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore there's no condemnation for those who are In Christ Jesus. Those who have placed themselves in the presence, in the very person of Jesus by His Spirit. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. If we want to be learning how to follow the Holy Spirit, we need to submit ourselves under Christ to say, my life is His life. Let today be a day afresh for that resubmission in allegiance to Jesus. Second thing, Spiritual formation, character and personal holiness are not optional elements for disciples of Jesus. They're not useless. They're not pointless. They're not just like God notching points on the scoreboard over the the enemy. They're us becoming more useful instruments for God and His Spirit. Imagine um, the conduction of electricity. Some of you are electrical engineers in here, right? Anyone studying electrical engineering? One. All right, another hand, all right. The the power of metal to conduct electricity, oftentimes there are a couple factors, but one is its purity, right? If it's contaminated, it cannot conduct electricity in the way that it could if it was pure. That's a helpful analogy for what it is to be useful to God, to become a conduit of God's power. If you are living however you want to in a me-centered way, and then you want to walk in the presence of God and the power of God, we can't be surprised if God says, it's not possible for me right now. God can do whatever He wants to do, but we cannot expect of Him whatever we want Him to do when we walk in disobedience. Spiritual formation is that process of purification. It's us being more like Jesus on the inside so that the power of Jesus can flow through us. The kingdom of God is here. The power that we have access to is partially determined by the formation we subject ourselves to. Put it really simply, we gotta learn how to deny ourselves to say yes to God's Spirit. There are a whole lot of good things the world wants to drown you in. You have freedom. Will you use your freedom for Jesus? or for yourself. Spiritual formation is the process of pushing down ourselves to make more of Jesus. Romans 8, 3, and 4 says, For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What that's saying is, the Spirit will empower you to do everything that the law calls you to. That is, love God and love neighbor. If we'll subject ourselves to Him in self-denial and spiritual formation. Third thing. Last thing. Humble, courageous listening. Humble, courageous listening. Distractedness is seen as a virtue in our day under the guise of efficiency and the power to juggle a whole lot of things. But actually, that closes us off from attentiveness to the Spirit's, what Old Testament calls still small voice. The Spirit is humble. He speaks to those who are leaning in to listen. So what we got to do is turn off the noise and learn to listen. It comes across, this is why it's so hard, especially for us in our context, it feels oftentimes, when the Spirit is speaking to you, like a flimsy impression. It just feels like a sensation. It feels like an image that passes through your mind. It feels like a verse that pops into your head. Oftentimes the way that I experience the Spirit's leading is by looking at someone in a particular context and then a feeling of compassion wells up in me and I just feel like I know what they need. And so at the With God Night a couple weeks ago, I walked up to someone after I'd been just looking at the room asking, Holy Spirit, is there someone that I can pray for that I can build up? And there's someone that I sensed pray for endurance and encouragement. I walked over, asked if I could pray for them. They said, sure, didn't tell them, didn't ask them anything, prayed, Lord, in this season, would you please give them endurance, encouragement, in any weariness, in any doubting your promises to come through, would you please help them and carry carry them forward? Said, amen, love you, appreciate you. They said, man, really felt like you were praying for exactly what I needed. What was that? are we willing to believe that god can work through us like that could it look so mundane and normal that inspired living is just us being attentive to people attentive to the spirit and then being willing to look like fools I can assure you, looking like a fool a couple of times is so worth the confirmation of the power of God working through you into the life of someone else who you just showed Jesus loves them. The Father's proud of them. God will heal people through you if you are willing to pray for their healing when he tells you to. I mean, I got a text before today saying, oh yeah, a while back, someone got a mess uh, word from the Lord uh, back at pre-service prayer, Sunday prayer. Sorry, we stopped calling it pre-service prayer because that sounds so boring and it's not boring at all. <laughs> Sunday prayer, we pray for the gathering and we listen, say, Holy Spirit, would you just come and help us, tell us if there's anything you want to do? Someone... Um, <clears throat> sensed skin condition that the spirit might want to heal it. So, we said, someone to uh, if someone has a skin condition, we sense that maybe the spirit wants to heal it. Someone went up and asked for prayer for a skin condition. Prayer for healing. Something that they'd had for a long, long time. And sought other forms of healing. And they prayed, and it went away. Like, this is a normal occurrence in the... This room among these people, and I can share story after story of words that have been given to people who are normal like you and feel like they are inadequate to have the God of the universe communicate something, catch it, and then communicate it, and then have God light it on fire with power for someone else. But that's why it was better for Jesus to go. Because in all of our doubts, in all the ways that we feel sinful, foolish, unusable by God, Holy Spirit is within you saying, I got you. Just humble yourself. Allow me to lead you. I'm committed to this. Can we commit to this? Are we willing to have a kind of Christian faith following Jesus where we see the miraculous, where people are comforted, where provision comes through inexplicably, where reliance on God and self-denial makes Jesus feel so real to us that we could never deny Him out in the world, where fear of man and the perception of others shrinks down and fear of God explodes in our hearts? Do we want that? Can we want that? Maybe you're like, I want that, but I, everything else in me is like, that cannot happen. Can you go with the, I want that for now? Not rhetorical. Do we want that? Yes. And if you're still in the place of unknown, it's okay. We'll keep sharing all the words that the Lord is doing, all the things that the Lord is doing, and you too will get to hear over and over again how God's Spirit is moving among us, Okay? Last word. Um, A few of us, actually, it was more than a few. It was like ten of us went to uh, Oklahoma City in March of last year, March of this year. Whoa! All right, because five years ago um, we experienced uh, miraculous healing. It blew open our preconceived notions about what it meant to follow Jesus, and we began to pursue these gifts and pursue the presence of Holy Spirit. And there's a teacher in um, Oklahoma City who's devoted his life. His name's Sam Storms to holding on to rich gospel theology and love for Scripture, and reckless, fearless pursuit of the spiritual gifts and the life of the Spirit, holding those together. And so we said, can we come and just learn from you? We met him for lunch. And the thing that stuck with me, other than the stories after stories after stories, uh, including one where he told the story of an infertile couple who um, were prayed over at the church after a word, a prophetic word was given where they said someone is infertile and um, pray for them. I will heal them and give them a baby. And they prayed. A the couple became pregnant. One of the people on that trip with us from Commons sat next to that person on their plane ride back to LA. And when he said, we're out here to you know, meet with a church leader, oh, what church? Uh, Bridgeway, oh, no way, I'm a member of Bridgeway, really, told us this crazy story about a couple that were infertile, and then they prayed, and they're, oh, yeah, that was me and my wife. (laughs) What Sam Storm said, and I don't know if he got this from someone else, he said, I'd rather tame a zealot than revive a corpse. I'd rather tame a zealot than revive a corpse. What he was saying is, if you refuse to allow Holy Spirit to use you, to speak to you, if you are just, unless he forces me to do it, I'm not doing it. The kind of corpse that can only be animated by something forcefully, that is impossible to work with in the life of community until you've tipped over to the point where, in the midst of fear and inclination from the Spirit, you're willing and immediately we're afraid of going too far. We're afraid of just looking crazy, right? We're a pretty smart, well-educated group on average in the room. We're used to having, and someone just made like, well, not me. (laughs) Um, Many of us are, not all of us, and that's a great thing. (laughs) All of you are way smarter than I am. The number of PhDs in this room is nuts. It's crazy. We're afraid of looking like idiots. Holy Spirit is a person. That means He can guide us. He can hem us in. He can correct us. If within the context of community, we can help each other, we can discern in a trustworthy manner, you will never hear someone in here say, thus says the Lord. Listen to my voice. I have the direct connect. It's going to be, I sense that this could be something from the Lord. Test it. Discern whether it's from Him or not or I sense that I should pray for you. Can I pray for you? Right? That kind of courage. And if it verges into like becoming spirit zealots in a way that's like unhealthy, we'll we'll hem hem back in. We'll corral back in. Come on back in here. Let's learn some more humility. But please don't let yourself be a corpse when it comes to the spirit. The sending of the Spirit that Jesus promised in Luke or in John 16, 7 was the democratization of his gifts and of his presence and power. We need everyone who is following Jesus among us in our community to say, Lord, how would you use me? Can you use even me? And then the humble courage to say, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to share something and I'll even... Uh, couch it in words like, I have no idea, this might sound crazy to you. You know, test it, don't trust me, pray, Like, if you gotta do that to feel okay, do that. And God will meet us, amen?